You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everyone. How you doing? All right. David Hall. Hello, hello. And Tony Groves. Howdy, fellas. Well, today on the show, we welcome twin brothers Tyler and Bradley Beeman, host of the Into the Apex podcast. We get more iRacing improvement suggestions from a listener. We'll check out some new buck kickers as well as check out the sim rig of a top-level F1 driver. And you can see all of these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So you can follow along with us on your mobile PC or mobile device in real time. Are you struggling with maximizing your braking zones when you're on iRacing? Locking up when you're trying to push it to the limit? I was in your shoes not too long ago. I'd see my competition breaking deeper than me, but no matter what I'd try, I couldn't match them until I started using SimCoach's P1 Pro pedals. With their true hydraulic design, they feel like you're driving a car. They're made right here in the USA and even offer a lifetime warranty. For a limited time, SimCoach's is offering you guys 10% off your order. You won't find a better discount anywhere. Head over to simcoaches.com and use the code iRacersLounge at checkout. We have a neat look at an inverted SimCoaches later in the show. A couple of weeks ago, I went and visited the Into the Apex podcast, and now we're returning the favor, and we have two guests. They happen to be twins, so fortunately, I don't see them on TeamSpeak, so I won't get too confused. We have Tyler and Bradley Beeman. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, the, even though nobody can see us, our voices may be a little bit yeah, similar. We're, we're kind of, you could tell the difference. Yeah, there's a little difference. So this is Tyler. I'm a little more high-pitched, and, and Bradley, is, a little more pensive. Yeah, this is this is Bradley. <laughs> Thanks for having us here. We're glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed the visit too. Um, we talked about, actually, here's how I was introduced to y'all's show. Uh, Cody Richardson, if I got the right last name, one of, yep, one of your teammates. Right. Um, he actually shot me a message saying, hey, check out this uh, show. Uh, by the way, I'll also love your show. And then I hopped in y'all's Discord and we basically set this uh, guest exchange up because as we talked about it, I think it's always a good idea for the podcast to kind of promote each other, especially since we tend to be a little bit more oval focused and you guys are very IMSA related and F1 related. Um, so it's a pretty good balance, I think, to have both shows on my playlist. Yeah, it's it's a perfect balance, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I guess some people might assume that some shows of a similar ilk, especially i racing or sim racing, might be competitors. But like we've talked about, uh, definitely not the case. There's a there's uh, a balance between all shows, and uh, really not a lot of active uh, weekly sim racing shows out there. Uh, if you look, it's almost a ghost town on Apple iTunes of shows that started and didn't continue. Uh, so iRacers Lounge, our show, and, and just a very few others, 
uh, really do produce good content each week. So we all kind of need to stick together. And I mean, we all listen to each other because it's not like your regular radio where it's 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. and you're competing on the airwaves. Uh, you can kind of get what you want as a sim racing enthusiast and listen to everybody. It's definitely a blast. Now, you guys started off as NASCAR fans, but then uh, kind of went away for a while. Go ahead and tell me that story. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, we, yeah, we, so growing up, I mean, it, talking small kids, like four or five years old, we got into NASCAR uh, just through family. Of course, we grew up in mostly in Wilkes County. So, of course, you have North Wilkesboro Speedway. Uh, we were too young to have gone to a race at the time when it was open and it closed uh, by the time we got you know older and more really into NASCAR and understanding what it was. Um, but yeah, we just grew up NASCAR fans. Every Sunday, we would we would get ready for the race, grill out, and it was just a family thing that we did. Um, and we never, I mean, decades went by, and really until our middle middle to late high school years, we learned about uh, sports car racing, IMSA, uh, I think it was the Rolex, the Grand Dam series at yeah, the time. Yeah, Grand Dam. Yeah. Um, but we got into that by watching the 24 Hours of Daytona. We didn't watch anything else. That's a, all. All we were aware of yeah. is the 24 Hours of Daytona. Uh, but we we stayed NASCAR fans uh, for a long, long time. And then as we got kind of into college, uh, we stopped watching NASCAR. And really, for a good while, we got out of racing entirely. We didn't really yeah, follow it for, for many years. Um, and then. It just uh, kind of getting ahead of the, in the story, but uh, we got back into it here more recently. I mean, we followed it throughout the years. We would watch the Rolex Twenty Four. We would watch the Daytona Five Hundred. Yeah, Le Mans. And, yeah, Le Mans. Certain like certain NASCAR races, certain big ones. Um, but it had been, you know, the last NASCAR race that me and Tyler went to was in two thousand and eight, and that was the uh, the All Star Race at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yeah, that's true. Um, and we'd been to several at Martinsville and Charlotte before then. Um, and then until the, 2008, the first NASCAR sanctioned event I went to was in 2020 at the Roval, right in the middle of the pandemic. And that was really to see IMSA. It was a doubleheader, <laughs> Xfinity and It and just happened IMSA. to fall that way. Yeah, and well, that's the first time I'd seen the uh, any type of NASCAR in regardless of that, over eight years. Regardless of us, our neglect of NASCAR, especially on our show, um, there's still this nostalgia for NAS NASCAR for us. So if you think that the era that Bradley's talking about, it's that late 90s, early 2000s era of NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, I vividly remember uh, coming back from, man, it must have been second, third, fourth grade, something like that, and popping in a VHS tape of a recorded Atlanta NASCAR race, watching it over and over. Uh, Bobby Labonte, Bobby Interstate yes. Batteries, DuPont, the Rainbow Warriors, Bobby Hamilton in the number four Kodak car, Mike Skinner in the Lowe's car. I can go on. And all these old paint schemes, it's so nostalgic even today that there's still a part of that of NASCAR history that uh, it's in the back of our minds, even though we we do admittedly neglect it a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, there's only so much time in the day to watch this and that and erase this and that, right? So you kind of have to pick. I, I like IMSA. I actually really enjoy it, particularly racing it, but combine the difference between being able to watch every IMSA race and watch every NASCAR race. You know, there's just only so much time in the day, right? Yeah, that's true. And I mean, honestly with, with sim racing to get into that a little bit, I mean, that's, we owe NASCAR is entirely yeah. what drove us there because true. we, we got our start sim racing in 2005 with the NASCAR 2003 season. Um, really the only, you know, obviously the, the father game to uh, iRacing racing. And papyrus, you know, from papyrus and all that, 
and that's all you could do. You could only drive the truck. The uh, there's a few well, mods, but there were no the mods were all the no, same. Yeah, they the were physics no, weren't as right. intricate as yeah. I there racing. was there was no real road racing. There was no yeah. sport car, which I mean, sport sports cars looked very different than you know prototype cars, Daytona prototypes, all that stuff. Not quite as spaceship. Yeah, it's as not as sleek things. as it is now. Um, and that uh, me being more materialist, uh, <laughs> I honestly I don't know if I would have I would like it if it wasn't so so uh high tech looking um but i mean it's just a how things age but yeah yeah we and owe everything to that you mentioned some of the older cars have you tried driving the lotus 49 no, no actually i don't think either of us yeah, have. i don't even right. own it no yeah we don't have it we neglect those old ones <laughs> yeah it's a whole different world it's, it's basically like a really absurdly tight f1 car sort of and yet the clutch auto clutch doesn't work it's it's a it's a it's pretty interesting so you, you mentioned you guys, uh, I've been listening to y'all's show for quite a bit. What's pretty neat is uh, you get to go to quite a few of the uh, events at the tracks and you go ahead and do your show there, which is, it's pretty handy where you guys live. You're right in basically a, a kind of almost a capital of, of racing. Yeah, we're, we're located uh, in Eastern North Carolina, but I mean, it's so easy to get around North Carolina. Um, over the past year, the road shows have uh, it really became a huge thing last year, and we've carried it over here in the 2022. We kicked it off uh, a, a month ago or two months ago at uh, the Rolex 24. Uh, last year, it started at the 105th Indy 500, and we're going back to the 106th Indy 500. And I recently moved back to North Carolina from Ohio, so I kind of had an outpost in, in the Midwest, and that carried me to Indianapolis three times, mid-Ohio a ton of times. Uh, Watkins Glen and New York State for the first time ever. Uh, we're going back up to New York um, this year as well. And then uh, a couple new ones this year. We've got Nashville. Uh, probably the biggest new one to me will be uh, Barber down in Birmingham. I've never been to Alabama, so that's going to be a new one. But that track is interesting looking. And then you have the museum and everything. So I'm kind of pumped up for that. Now, in Nashville, you're talking the, the street course, right? Yes. Yeah, the Grand Prix. That's going to be interesting running across the uh, bridge for that race. Yeah, I watched it on. I, I, it was appointment television for me last year because it was so new. And I understand that uh, they may make some tweaks to it. We were talking, we talked to an IndyCar driver and a GT America driver that both uh, raced on it that debut. And uh, they liked it, but they did have some tweaks I think they'd like to see. So we may see a little bit of a different course uh, this year. But. Uh, we've never been to Nashville ourselves, so we're excited just to spend the time in the city. I can only imagine the energy that that's going to have. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a double header, so you get uh, your open cockpit and or Formula style racing, and you also have your GT car racing. And I think Trans Am may be there. Really? And I mean, Trans Am, it's kind of like a, a NASCAR with a wing on it to me, in, in a sense. Really? Uh, I've not watched them up close, but they kind of strike me as if you appreciate NASCAR, if you like watching the NASCARs, well, like an ARCA car. Uh, I don't know about that. Not our car, uh, IROC car. IROC. I'm not like IROC, no. Yeah. IROC, that's dating our, our racing it's, fandom as well. It's yeah. really a sports car. It, it pretty much is a sports car. It's not It's not an ass car. I mean, they actually run the Audis and stuff like that. So, uh, Yes. Um, when you go to Nashville, make sure you – those races will all got to be daytime, so make sure you have some time to, sp to spend downtown Nashville. It's a really neat scene. Yeah, we're very excited to to check it out. Uh, get to some new cities. Um, yeah, what I mean, it's, they can't get a better venue. Yeah, than the downtown of a big city like that. Yeah, where going, there's, there's so much to do. Going over the bridge uh, and around the football stadium and everything involved. It's it's going to be a hell of a time. There's no doubt about that. And then yeah, and then 
2023, we need to go out west. That that's our. Well, I thought 2023 there was Lamar. Lamar 2023. Well, it's hard to, hard to say what <laughs> or Nurburgring. The state of the world as it is. It's hard to say. Yeah, that's true. When that's going to happen. Well, let's talk about your iRacing careers a little bit. Um, you kind of hinted at it, but what what guys uh, brought you guys into iRacing, I guess, the second time, and how'd you hear about it? Uh, well, we we did kind of have that gap. Like It was kind of fuzzy to me. We started off with the NASCAR 2K3 season, the Papyrus. Um, did some league racing in that um, for some years. Uh, had the old Logitech Momo wheel and all of that equipment. Uh, iRacing, we, we had well, heard whispers of iRacing while we were doing yeah, it 2K3. Was, when, it, when the news came out about it, I would read articles about it, and it seems... It was doom and gloom. Well, that, and it, it seemed a little like a pipe dream, um, iRacing, before it came out. All you would hear about and read about is this thing with their laser, laser scanning, it's going to cost money, and it, it felt, um, especially if you were of modest means, which we were at the time, um, it yeah. felt like it was unattainable. You just, it's like, this is going to be something for the, for the pros, Mm-hmm. Um, which ultimately turned out that way, but it is attainable. Yeah, it was called first. It was when yes. it was going to be first. Yeah. Um, but we, yeah, we got we joined it in 2010, just shortly. I think maybe a year or two after it actually came out, um, and we did it uh, much to, of course, against iRacing's terms of service. But it would, there, there, I'm sure there's a, a statute of limitations. Hopefully, um, but we we made an account under my name, and we both, of course, we both raced under that account. Yeah. Um, just because it was easier, cheaper for students at the time. We, yeah, we were living at home and, yeah. you know, fresh out of high school. Yeah. Right. Um, so we, I know I did, I raced, I racing a lot more than Tyler um, throughout the years. Uh, but I, I look at my stats because, of course, I racing keeps stats for as long as you've had it. And really, I mean, as a student with more, a little more time working part time, um, the number of races that I ran at the beginning, Paired with Tyler, you know, it was a lot more than over the last, I'd say, eight years, uh, where we've, we've both worked full-time day jobs, um, and just you just don't find the time to do it or the motivation to do it. And not having attended racing, racing in real life over those years, there's nothing that we call the shot in the arm to, to, get, to get the racing juices flowing and get you excited about it. So we were not really excited about it. It was just a cool thing that we we did a lot at the very beginning and then it kind of cooled off. Um, and really it was the pandemic that got us. Well, we, we kind of beat, it. we, yeah, we were getting into it before that. So I, I was in Ohio yeah, just a little before and Bradley convinced me to, he was on me in January yeah. of 2020. So December, this was January. before everything shut down and, and, it, and sim racing got on network TV. That's a right. whole different it was, thing. Yes, it actually did happen to coincidence it was very much of a coincidence yeah that uh tyler had bought up i got him into, into buying a pc worthy of running it and shipped him the old momo wheels that we used to run <laughs> uh, the logitech momo and, and that, uh, which we still we still have two of those <laughs> that was such a uh a uh surreal moment too when they started throwing up the, all the pros running the races on on tv yeah, that that I guess you could say that was a that was definitely a shot in the arm, as yes. Bradley says. That yes. uh, I had gotten started into it before everything shut down, so I was I was running oval leagues. I hadn't fully gotten myself back into the complexities of the road racing yet, which I I did in 2010 and through maybe 2012 or so. I ra- I got into F1 uh, in 09 and t- 2010, and all I did on iRacing under Bradley's name were road races and he did short tracks and ovals typically. So we kind of diverged in that sense. Um, so I got back into oval racing, class A leagues, um, 
I made my own account, of course, so I had to earn all my licenses. Bradley already <laughs> pay for all this. the content, again. pay for all the content, uh, and get get kind of up and running. And uh, then then the pandemic hits and everything shuts down, and I've got that as my uh, by then two months back in the in the saddle of sim racing and i racing, and uh, it goes from there. I mean, I typically would go to the gym on a weekend morning and spend a lot of time, um, and instead of doing that uh, for the several world months, shut down. Yeah, instead of doing that, I would do uh, a class C, B, or A fixed uh, iRacing session with my coffee on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. And uh, it all, it became all sim racing at that time, and that kind of leads us into basically where we've come today with our endurance sim racing team and our podcast and basically everything that we're doing now kind of launched based off of all of that time and all of that uh, attention to sim racing. And on the uh, series side now, you're mostly running uh, endurance and I guess a uh, sports car sprint. Is that correct? Our league. Yeah, that's right. We're uh, really, I mean, I've, I've neglected oval racing a bit uh, more of late. Uh, and mostly, I think, yeah, I would say it's fair to say that mostly we race uh, team endurance races. We've kind of gotten hooked on that. Yeah, we do uh, every major iRacing event. We've, we've been fielding a, a minimum of five teams, usually a lot more. Um, and then we also are one of our other priorities is the Monday night uh, GT3, GT4 league that we've run uh, for the last, I'd say, year and a half, two years, uh, which has grown quite a bit in the last just in the last six months to a year. Um, so that's our road racing is where it's really focused right now. It's where we have the most energy and enthusiasm from the people that are on the team. Now, I heard you guys mentioned Momo. Are you guys running Momos right now? Not no, anymore. We have still the, got them. We though. still have the two old, old, ancient, at the time, top of the line Logitech Momos, <laughs> and they still work just fine. They, they did. Bradley shipped it to me in Ohio in early 2020, uh, and I got basically my start back into iRacing with that. And uh, then I upgraded. I paid, I paid $70 <laughs> to ship a Logitech Momo and through UPS. He ran it for a month and then ordered a Logitech uh, G29. So. Which wasn't that I think he owes me some money. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I do. I have finally, now as big as I've gotten into sim racing, I have only just in January, two months ago, finally got uh, some Fanatec gear for myself. Bradley was a little bit ahead of the game, but I've got uh, currently the C the Fanatec CSLDD. I had to wait months for it, as everybody knows. The Fanatec ecosystem is backed up. Uh, so I've got the fan that uh, CSLDD, which I love. Uh, I've got the, what are these pedals, Bradley? CSL... Elite. Elite pedals. So not the, not the best you can get. Uh, and I've got the Club Sport Formula Wheel. So that's my setup right now on a, not a, no 8020 aluminum uh, on my rig. It's just a kind of a basic, affordable right? uh, metal rig. Uh, but it works GTR. for me. Works for me. Brad, do you have a rig or are you, you rigged up in yeah, your I desk have, as well? Yeah, I have the, uh, so I got all of that stuff ahead of Tyler. He was still doing the desk, desk chair setup. Yeah. Was um, Timmy, I, do, I was the Timmy Hill. He was, I was Timmy yeah. Hill. Um, yeah, I have the same, so I have the same frame, same rig. It's a GTR, um, uh, with not, not a bucket seat or anything just gets the job done. Uh, but I have that. I have the, uh, Fanatec club sport, uh, CSW, I think it was the 2.5, the, uh, it's not, it's discontinued now, but it's the belt driven one. Um, I have that. I have, uh, initially I got the BMW round rim and I still have that for oval racing, but I now have the, uh, formula the new newer updated formula with the leather grips um and then i run in vr uh that's a big difference with nothing us. but vr yes um and i've got the uh hp reverb g2 which 
gives me some problems, as is well documented in the community. Uh, but when it when it's great, it's great, um, and it's it's still one of the best in the market right now as far as clarity uh, versus cost. So I mean, it's yeah, it's that's the big difference. We do. Tyler swears against VR, and I could not do anything other than VR for long term anyway. That is so fascinating because you, you got you know a set of genetically identical twins, and, <laughs> and one one loves it and one doesn't. And we have that in we have that debate going on on all the time in the team too because like there's like no Coke racers that drive VR, um, but I stand by it. Uh, especially it, it's really great in the road, but even when I'm in, in the oval, I just feel in the car. And we talked about that on the, on the show last week. It just, it just feels so much more. I feel like it makes me a better driver. And, um, even though I can't see to the side, I don't really need to, especially the way I use my JRT app. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I mean, I, I've definitely gotten faster. It's several guys on the team have noticed, and I've noticed myself. I just you get more locked in. I've tried uh, triple monitor rigs. I've tried Tyler's single, and I just if after you've gotten used to the depth perception and the immersion of VR, it feels it just feels weak. Is the best way. To, it's hard to put into words, but it just <laughs> feels it, you. It's obviously fake. Obviously, you've lost a lot of stuff. Uh, being able to look into apexes if you're on the roadside, um, being able if you're side by side at a NASCAR race to turn your head, which I know that's not entirely realistic, but you could turn your head and see where that car is to know whether you need to make a move or you know what's happening. You just it adds to everything. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to disagree with some yeah. of that. Some of that. I'm I'm not on club VR, and uh, Bradley and I've discussed this a bunch. Um, I definitely will acknowledge and freely admit it is a, an extraordinary experience to strap in there and, and get into to his rig where he's got that set up. The future and is if, only going to get better. If anybody visits and they've never experienced sim racing, i racing, I, of course I'm going to sit them down in that rig for a short term burst. Uh, and I've enjoy, I enjoyed it uh, yeah. trying it for a short term burst. The, uh, the but wow factor. Even uh, it, the old Oculus Bradley had was awful. I mean, I felt but the it's screen. A first, it's a first generation piece of technology. The screen door effect was awful. Yeah. But even yeah. the one he has now, uh, I feel like when I'm in there, it's yes, everything seems wider and bigger. Uh, but there's still when I am sitting there, I feel like I can't quite quite see. Like I don't have the right pair of glasses on or something. It's just. Something like said, with the visibility is yeah, not what I want. It's the, and it's that's the sweet spot. So when you look right in the center uh, of the display, then, though, it's it's crisp, or at least more than it was. It's not as crisp as I I just. But around the edges is a little blurry, and that's something that obviously uh, improvements in technology will make that better. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it's, it's just a matter of time. I had to move my relative when I switched to the reverb over. Like basically, I have it sitting right on top of the mirror. Now, because, I need to learn how to do that. I actually yeah. don't know how to do that. <laughs> it's either Alt K or, or Control K, and you can move all your black boxes around. And there's also a, a setting in the uh, in the INI file where you can make everything show up, even when it's not lit up, so that you can move chat windows and stuff like that uh, a lot easier. Yeah, I, I and Bradley. Well, Bradley just recently got crew chief as well. I did. Yeah. So that's, he's he's slowly but surely. I, I ran out of fuel for the ninth time and decided, <laughs> damn it, that's enough. Yeah, I've I, had enough. I've heard so many times from Bradley. I you ran know, out of amazing. fuel. It's a, yeah, the amount I didn't of put enough fuel in it. Well, it's not. that's not even <laughs> the quarter of it. There's the amount of information you get from it. I've, I, I've had my head in the sand for, for years. Yeah, a little, yeah. little bit of a, de of a developmental delay there with the, yeah. the, the sim racing features. Speaking, speaking from a guy who still has it downloaded. Yeah, I still don't. Yeah, no, I, do, I still don't have it. 
Still don't have it. Computer would probably explode. The fact that I have the Fanatec equipment and everything, that's that's good progress for me. It's definitely been a slow, slow progression and build up. It's not cheap to do this. It's certainly not cheap to do it the way everybody kind of would want to. But it's still cheaper than uh, the real thing. Um, Yes. How did your 24 go? Uh, the the Daytona 24 for us actually went really well. The Into the Apex uh, podcast team, uh, so it was myself, uh, Bradley here, uh, Rob Gregoire out of Canada, who's our one of our permanent hosts, and Patrick Stein out of uh, Chicago, and our fourth permanent host. Uh, we had our international driver, Lucas, from uh, Sweden on there. And uh, the, the six of us, five, six, five of us, uh, <laughs> I, could, I could do math, I could count. The five of us uh, had a pretty clean, no garage time uh, Rolex or Daytona 24 uh, on iRacing and finished P2 in the LMP2 class in our split. Uh, so our individual race was really, really great. I mean, we were just one spot short of, of everything. And uh, our team, the Mad Sim Racing Endurance team that we have built up, had three total uh, class victories out of eight, nine, to ten or so entries. Yeah. We lost one, but yeah, I think we had maybe nine. So around. So uh, in short, it really, really well for the second because uh, I'm sure a lot of the iRacing folks out there that even if they don't run the road racing a lot, they may dip into in a Corvette. Well, they don't didn't do Corvette this year, but may dip into the Rolex 24 on iRacing as a special event as maybe the only road race that they do for the year. And uh, a lot of the big, a lot of teams and groups of people take it seriously you know we started and a lot of people started you can just see from the hosted lobbies that they start prepping back in november of the of the year so they, they put a lot of time into it we did the same thing and uh, it certainly paid off for ourselves and for our team yeah that's definitely one of the always pretty much the biggest of the road course events because it has a lot of nascar crash nascar crossover uh being it being in daytona being basically a prelude to the 500 uh so it definitely is more famous some of our teammates that only run the ovals that's the only road race they run all year pretty much yeah i could definitely see that it's it's a good uh, back when we watched it uh at the top of this uh segment here we as bradley mentioned we watched just the rolex 24 when it was grand am Uh, it was always you know the nascar drivers would always drop in and we were using it to hype ourselves up for the Daytona 500. There was a time, I mean, now we're obsessed with the the road racing. Uh, it's funny how it flops around, but there was a time, that time, when we watched Grand Am, when we were watching the Daytona 24, just like, why do they have to do the bus stop? I want to see them go the oval. We wanted to see the Daytona 500, and we couldn't wait for speed weeks. And that was our means of kind of getting that shot in the arm for Daytona for NASCAR. Yeah. That's so it's weird how it's flopped. Ar- it's weird how it's flopped yeah, around. We watched that. That was our prelude to the Daytona 500. Now we don't, we barely pay attention to the 500 and it's all about the Rolex 24. It's, it's odd how time, how that's that, much more impressive. How that happens. Event. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm certain we could pinpoint how that evolved, but it, it did change for us. Well, we have our traditional kind of final question that we always wrap the interviews up with. Um, so I'll, I'll start with Tyler. And uh, you might have to pause and think about this, but uh, we always like to ask our guests, what is your most memorable iRacing moment? Yeah, that that um, that is definitely – I really would have to go back to – I've got um, one if you want to think about yours more. No, I'm, I think I'm settled on this. This is this is one that I think people can relate to that that are in iRacing no matter when they started. Everybody that's listening to this show is into iRacing and probably has experienced this or you will. Um, 
way back in 2010, 2011, uh, under that shared account that Bradley mentioned, if you look at Bradley's stats, you will see uh, <laughs> well, at least one. I know he's probably gotten more himself since, but you'll see a yeah. a win on, in the road uh, under those that section of stats in the old uh, Pro Mazda uh, car, ser- the series that existed at Road uh, America. Uh, that was not Bradley that won that race. That was me. Uh, at the time, uh, using the old Momo, that old setup, or maybe it was a Logitech uh, G29 or something at the time, but uh, I was really good at Road America and Road Atlanta, and to this day, those are tracks that I just am good at in any car, and I get excited about going. It's just effortless to to be fast and feel good there. Um, so I, I, but winning was a hell of a time, no matter what. Uh, we were, we would be, we would cheer and yell and 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 really be excited to win or contend for a win. And I got in the lead in that uh, Pro Mazda uh, and uh, got to the end of that race. And I remember the last couple laps, you know, the, the P2 was not too far behind. And I was in the lead. I had nobody to follow, no carrot to follow. It was all on me. And it's easy to choke in those circumstances. Um, and I remember my leg on the pedals, my foot and leg on the pedals, kind of trembling with excitement and nerves. And it was uh, really the only time I've had a physical response. I mean, that kind of physical adrenaline response kind of sums up why we all are into this and sucked into it is there's you can play any other game or sim i mean you don't get that in flight simulator that's not what it's meant for but (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's it perfectly going down boys (laughs) it perfectly sums up why a lot of us love this sim and, and doing this is it gives us that physical experience that i'm sure the it's just a tiny tiny sliver of what the real life drivers experience or somebody that races in real life experiences, but it's still there. It's still something. So that for me, it's that it was that because I still remember it 20 years, you know, however many years later brings a tear to my eye. Bradley. Uh, mine is, is more general than that. I don't have a, a specific ex- example in car in particular. Um, but if you've listened to our show, we've made reference to, uh, the feeling of doing endurance races and how unique that is in our racing. So for me, uh, the first true 24-hour endurance race that we did uh, was in 2020 uh, at Le- iRacing official Le Mans. Um, and there was just a group of us that had never met. Uh, some of those people have since become lifelong friends. One of our co-hosts, Rob Grugar, who we've uh, met several times now in real life at these events to do the show and hang out, um, raced with us. We, he was a relative stranger to us. So that race was special to, to me as a whole because it's what kicked off the whole endurance thing. But specifically um being a 30 year old man <laughs> setting an alarm at for 3 a.m brewing a cup of coffee and grabbing an energy drink and sitting down in vr to do a stint of two hours at Le Mans in the uh, bmw m8 and just finding myself there sitting in the dark in my room <laughs> with the cup of coffee doing a, a racing sim for 24 hours it's just, it was it was amazing i was exhausted i didn't want to do it but i i really wanted to do it and it's just that that feeling persists in all the endurance and 24-hour races is as we've referenced many times on our show allowing yourself to to just do that as a grown person as an adult yep. to, to wake up middle of the night dig and, into and do it. this thing and yep. there's nobody else in the world who would understand <laughs> what you're doing or why you're doing it other than other sim racers and racing yeah, racing yeah. fans and sim right. racers do you feel a little bit disoriented when it's like daytime on the track and then you That's, pull your vr out vr yes. off and it's 3 a.m yes it is yeah i've when i start say i start a stint and it's daytime here uh in the where we're at and it's nighttime 
in uh, iRacing, it, it is very confusing. Sometimes it's it swaps. Like if you do a race at sunset and you you like it was daylight when I was last had the headset off and now it's dark here, or vice versa. Like it, in I hate this with the endurance races uh, when it's nighttime here and I'm waking up at three a.m. Like I just said. I'll get into the session and it's daytime. Yeah, at Daytona morning. Hour, it right doesn't away. feel right. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel right. Uh, I have certainly come close to falling asleep at my rig. Um, yeah, in some of these endurance happen, races yeah. in the four a.m. hour local time. Yeah, it's it's definitely been. Uh, I've been woken up to calls from teammates. Yes, I, uh, why aren't you awake? Yes, when I hit the snooze button too many times. It's interesting. It's in, it is an interesting it, concept. I think yeah. anybody out there who's never tried it. Uh, get a group of people up that maybe have the same goals and and try it sometime. Prep for it. Yeah, it's it's a whole other animal from from any other type of thing. I racing or yeah. racing is off most definitely. And it's a balancing act on how much caffeine you can intake and how long your bladder <laughs> can last. Exactly right. Yeah, that that's that's a hundred percent. There are some long. St- some tracks are easier than others to drive, and some tracks tracks are very physical to drive, depending on the equipment that you have and and uh, how physically ready you are i I always joke that we're all athletes uh maybe to like a one percent degree but there's definitely if you have a a dd wheel uh, it's definitely a physical thing even if it's just being able to sit in a rig for two hours or three hours to do multiple stints in one of these types of races or or a full nascar race a full 100 percent race uh, with cautions and the exhaustion and fatigue that comes along with it there's certainly something to that well, I definitely appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, it's the Into the Apex iRacing, or no, not iRacing, just Into the Apex podcast. Make sure all of our listeners follow that. And I know you guys have promoted us on your show as well. And when I uh, definitely had a blast having you guys on here, and I look forward to getting to see you guys out on the, on one of the endurance races at some point. I've actually run across a, a couple of you guys in an oval race a, a couple of times. Yeah, we certainly appreciate uh, the crossover. Um, we all enjoy the show and, and each other's shows, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's a tight knit community on iRacing specifically. It's what we love, and uh, really excited to have gotten to know uh, you guys and having you on. And I'm sure we'll do keep doing this uh, from time to time. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Cheers. Well, that was a great interview, David. Um, very impressed about. Uh, the crossover between their show and ours. And it really is the racing passion or the passion for racing. It's not really a passion for sim racing, but to race, to, you know, to be side by side and going for the win. Yeah. We, we definitely talked about that experience, you know, uh, I, I really remember talking to them about that excitement when they were coming to a, to a finish and the nerve wracking. I, re- I remember recently uh, with the NIS event, having that exa- exact same feeling again, because it had been a while. Um, it was great talking about the differences in the different disciplines and how there's room for those. Cause we, we discussed that every once in a while we'll have, we'll have somebody review and say, I really wish y'all talked about road more, but you know, we already have a huge ton of comp content and we cover it, but yeah, we're going to be over oval centric. Um, but at the same time, uh, I enjoy this show, and I listen to Into the Apex, and they talk a lot more about the IMSA side, and I enjoy it because it gives me two different takes that I can listen to at different times of the day. All right, well, let's jump into topics. We're going to kick it off with a Skip Formula Farbia iRacing series. And Brian, you're going to tell us about that. Yeah, that, um, that started this past Sunday. 
Yeah, with the Skip Barber Formula iRacing Series just kicked off at Lime Rock, which is a really cool track to start off with um, because, first of all, it's, you know, it's one of the free tracks that everybody learns uh, on uh, on these road courses with. So uh, it was uh, it was um, had the chicanes uh, on, on the both ends of it. Um, so it was uh, really cool to watch. But um, this is the series that has the uh, cr incredible top prize worth a, a value of uh, $500,000, which is actually a, a full season as a Skip uh, Barber uh, racing driver. So you can actually win a seat for the full 2022 season, Skip Barber Formula race season. So uh, maybe the top top prize of almost any of these uh sports that we have you know any of these series that we have including the coke you know that's that's straight cash for that series but this is this is something uh completely different i like to call it my uh i, I like to call this the uh, golden ticket uh series because winning this thing is like winning the golden ticket the willy wonkiest chocolate factory you know it's you're gonna you're gonna be a, you're gonna be a real life race car driver if you win this series so that's really awesome um, so that being said, the top finish for this week were uh, Mikhail Gade. He won uh, both the uh, sprint and the main uh, and the final race. Uh, very dominant uh, car, very driver from watching him. So uh, to Brian, see if he he's the winner of the 24 hours of Daytona top split too. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So this guy's got some cred. Um, uh, second was uh, Harley Houghton, and third was Nicholas Mateo. Um, so these uh, these guys are all the first three to be in the top running for this uh, prize. Um, Matt Busa, one of the Coke drivers, was in this series. It was the only only a, a Coke series driver that I saw that was, that was in this thing. I think he finished P8, um, so a respectable finish for him. Um, they're going to be at uh, VIR, uh, Virginia International Raceway, this coming uh, Saturday. So uh, one of the things that's that's really interesting is uh, all three of those top drivers, they're all foreign drivers. Um, Harley Houghton is from England. Nicholas Mateo is Spain. And uh, Mikel, I think he's uh, Finland. I believe it's one of those Scandinavian uh, countries. I can't remember which one for sure. But, um, yeah, so these guys are all from overseas. They're going to have to be flown in if, uh, if they're going to be racing in, in America. So that's pretty interesting. That's what I was just thinking. I mean, do you go into this event thinking, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, fly to the USA. I'm going to spend, you know, a couple months or however long it is. I, I got to come up with the cost for this, even though they're covering that thing. I don't think they cover the travel and, and board who knows, but wow. Uh, that it's quite a commitment if you're, if you're really going for it. Yeah, that, it sure is Mike. And, um, it's, it's, it's a, a, a great, great opportunity for anybody who wants to race this season. Um, you have to pay this is the one that you had to pay twenty dollars per per race to get into so there's a little bit of an investment involved but i'm assuming if you're getting in this and you're really and you're really going to try to win this series you know you pretty much uh have it in your mind that you know you're gonna you're gonna take this ride when it's available so i would think all these guys are prepared to make that make that trip well, that's a that's cheap compared to having to field an actual car, you know, at a local short track, right? So, or find a sponsor, or right. Um, so another cool thing about this 
was that, you know, all the cars on the track are, are, are identical. They all have that same Skip Barber Racing School logos on them. The only difference is uh, there's some different colors on like the halo and a couple sections around the, the wing. Um, but other than that, it's very IROC looking, you know, where the cars are all set up to look almost identical. So, um, you don't see like all the sponsorships you would normally see in the Oak series or the Porsche uh, Tag Heuer series. Um, it's it's a lot more set up like uh, like IROC, and you know with Skip Barber being the sponsor and and giving out this incredible prize, you know it's it's their 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 cars are plastic, their their names written all over the cars, but it looks really cool and and it's neat to see those cars all lined up looking almost identical it's it's a it's a pretty good race to watch um and yeah i will definitely be checking out the next one in at uh, vir this this coming sunday it must be hard to tell the drivers apart in that paint scenario but i don't think this is really about viewership this is about you know let's let's find a good talent and give them a nice prize and yeah, that's true. But at the same time, when you're racing for prizes that big of that, as big as that, it's almost it almost draws you in as a viewer just to see who's gonna who's gonna take his thing home. Well, we're talking about paints. Um, this next article is about the paints. Paul Newton's got something else out for us, Mike. Yeah, he posted on Twitter um, the first iRacing Grand National Legends AI enabled car collection is now up at Trading Paints. And so he posted up a link to his collection. Um, he calls it the Grand National Legends 95 to 99. Um, it's a series of paints dedicated to the most significant Bush series drivers and cars from that period. This is the AI-enabled collection. It is a work in progress. For short track races, use a smaller field size. For speedway races, use the larger. This will also add the Bushwhackers to the big races and remove them for the small races. Uh, Bushwhackers started about number 35 on the list. Now, for you young folks, I'll tell you what a Bushwhacker is. That was a cup driver that would go down to the Bush series and try to steal a win, kind of like a, a Mark Martin. Did I disage anybody there? Brian knows what I'm talking about. I know, sure. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, it used to just be they would take – they would go down and take races, but then the trend started of actually going down and taking the championship. Who was was it? Kyle Busch that did that first, or was it Carl Edwards? One of them ran for the championship, the, even though they were already a Cup driver. Looking at the paints uh, on the page, though, man, it brings back a lot of memories. You know, some of these old sponsorships and uh, pretty cool. Uh, you know, and 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 this is fun to do, and I've done this a few times. Uh, doing the trading paints collections if you're going to do ai you've got to take a few minutes and just get these collections tied into your ai because it just makes the world a difference to have all those paints ready to go and and you're out there with with the legends like he says and um one of the things that's a bit, that's cool about it there, there's kind of a charm in these uh small time um sponsorships you know it's not budweiser these giant companies that you know spend tons of money on the on the cup cars you know it's it's these small little uh small little companies that you don't really hear about too much but they always uh, have a have a neat little charm to them when they when they're racing around in those in those uh, sponsorship cars all right tony how about the uh, february top 10 yeah well hey how about that we got another one dropped and uh, you know what um it's it's 
it's kind of what you would expect out of a top 10. Um, there was a, a couple of really, uh, really cool ones. Uh, most notable for me was um, the five wide. And I don't know what track they were at, but um, they played it from a couple of different angles. And I like the, they, they played it from, you know, you're kind of looking out the window. As, uh, okay. uh, no, that's Auto Club. Oh, auto yeah, club, I think yeah. it's Auto Club. Yeah. Yeah, so you get to watch like out the you know side window as he makes the move to to push it five wide, and uh, yeah, they made it stick. They didn't wreck or nothing. That was cool. And then the other one, speaking of wrecks, was a huge wreck, and that was in the Daytona 500. Now it doesn't say whereabouts in this race that that happened, so I am just going to imagine that it was for the win. Um, it was a complete parting of the seas, and this guy just dodges everything. Like he had. Not one, not two, probably three horseshoes up somewhere uh, to get through that mess, but he made he, it through and nice he and clean. He didn't dodge anything. Everything dodged him. If you the way you if you well, watch it, yeah, it went through I think the you're middle right. though. I mean, it wasn't like he was against the wall and they all rolled down the banking. I mean, he went right through the middle of it and never got touched. And the only car that really came out of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Close your eyes, hold the gas down, and pray. And his prayers were answered. So, like I said, it doesn't say where in the race it was, but I am just going to imagine it was like the last lap shenanigans and he went, sailed off into the sunset for his Daytona 500 win. That, I like that story the best. So this one, the longest clip is the uh, a four-hour enduro race at Watkins Glen. Uh, comes down, to, you know, side-by-side side at the end. And they show the side-by-side side at Watkins Glen for lap after lap here. Uh, it's crazy. There was also a, uh, also a uh, finish at Nashville Speedway um, of a point zero 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 finish where these two cars were basically identical, tied. Um, I know they probably had a winner of the two, but um, when you're down, when you're getting to the thousands of a second, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and of course, the final one uh, at Spa. Uh, the guy gets a brilliant launch off the line. He's way back and takes over, uh, you know, seven, eight cars before he gets up to, you know, up to the top of a rouge. So there was one near the end, and it was the dirt late models. And, you know, Buddy does a crossover. And I'm wondering, kind of wondering why this one made the top 10, because in order for him to make that crossover, he totally trashed that other car. It was ugly, but that's kind of the way dirt's been going lately, right? <laughs> well, if I'm around a driver that does that cannon shot like that GT driver did, um, those are most of the time death. He's lucky he got through that because usually they, they go through like that, and there's just one of those drivers that you're like, why are you trying to win in the first lap? It, it ends up just being <laughs> so ridiculous. You know, you're not or a pro driver. you'll see him in the brush a half lap later. You know, he's off, off on the grass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you guys are definitely right about that because um, nine, 99 times out of 100, that's one of those reasons why you start that race from the pits. This next set of videos, this is just one of them, David, is uh, absolute gold if you want to learn setups. Yeah, and it's, it, it is kind of funny that you, that you have me introduce this one because uh, I don't even drive the Xfinity car, but we have uh, a setup from or a setup videos from area 51 alien factory and he goes over setting up for the xfinity car and basically the title of this particular video is called Ch chassis Inter identification I, i'll confess i didn't watch it because i'm not going to be setting up cars on the xfinity side 
Yeah, this guy started a forum post um, introducing his videos, and it, and he just calls it Intro to Building uh, Setups, but his channel, is he's got a ton of stuff. I mean, and so there's there's definitely some videos to go back and look at. He's, it looks like one, two, three, four, five now in a row. Track bar adjustments, uh, symmetry for road courses, right rear coil binding. Um, here's another one, bug found in track bar measurements. Yeah, this is a good source if if you are interested in setting the cars up. I uh, when I know I went in my venture and trying to mess with that the last two years, and I can I can tweak minor adjustments, but I'll never be a set builder. But if you're you're interested, this is a good source. Yeah, and um, Matt in the forum post, Matt Holden, staff member who's one of the vehicle engineers, um, he's confirming that this guy knows what he's talking about. Well, Brian, what's this uh, dirt performance article about? Well, it's uh, this is uh, from Derek Cyphers. He posted in the forums that he's got dirt and road, dirt road and dirt, dirt oval added to his uh, iRacing driver performance data analysis. So this is a site where um, you can uh, go on, enter your ID, and it you know, and it gives you the graphs of your performance as far as your rating, i rating, and your i rating percentile among. Uh, compared to other drivers uh, it works it does the same for your safety rating as well so he had that before for uh oval and road but he's added both uh, dirt oval and dirt road uh to it as well so you can uh so you can go through all your metrics and uh, compare yourself to other drivers on those as well next step do it for every track Ooh. and let's get it on a website that's easy to remember i mean the website he's got it hosted on is something like you would never remember i mean you'd have to bookmark it or something but maybe get a nice domain to go with it you know sounds like we need a sponsor a domain hosting sponsor <laughs> i'm in the uh, 54 percent i rating percentile for the dirt oval and on the safety rating 81 percentile 81 percentage percentile not too good I'm I'm glad that the I rating one is on the right side of the the halfway mark at least, um, and I'm not on the bottom side of that. Kind of surprises me. I fi I figured I'd be on the bottom side bottom side of the halfway mark, but I'm actually above the halfway mark. I didn't look at the road dirt road one though. It's glitching for me. It keeps changing to a different number. So you have to type your ID up in the corner and hit enter. I did. 27% I rating percentile on the dirt road. Yikes. Now that I expected. Pretty cool little resource. Of course, you, uh, to find the links, guys, head over to the show notes. So if you listen to the uh, aftermath, episode, aftermath episode last week, uh, Tony, I do believe y'all spent a little bit of time making a list of improvements, didn't you? Oh, yeah, we sure did. Yeah, we kind of... we we. <laughs> we went running with that topic. We spent a lot of time on that. That was a lot of fun. And uh, Mike, that's what we're going to talk about next. We just had a we we actually covered Matt Malone covering it, but uh, we have something else that was continued by Doctor Ozzy. Yeah, who's a regular over in our Discord channel, iRacers Lounge Discord. You guys get in there. We're having discussions throughout the week, and of course, Doctor Oz uh, or Z wanted to. Uh, pipe in on that uh, on that topic and so here's his four items that he wants he wants the podium celebration 
uh, for the three of them are nice, you know, at the end of the race. Uh, it could include maybe the driver's name, SR and IR, maybe the fastest lap of the race, maybe while you see some see him, you know, spraying some champagne or chugging down a shoey. Number three, uh, pit lane animations. Obviously, in, in NASCAR, I think we've been spoiled, um, and, and all, not all the cars have that. I, I think they need to finish that and get it on all the cars. I'd love to see that in the Formula One cars because they'd have to mop out, what, about 20 guys sitting there ready to change tires and add fuel. Two seconds. Uh, change tires, yeah, for two seconds. But it's crazy how many people sit. And and another thing with the Formula One, man, you got to hit your marks dead on uh, for them guys to really have a good pit stop because if you're off to the left or right, you're going to be running people over. They're sitting in the middle of the pit stop when you come in. All right, his number two, 4X for getting rear-ended. Um, it sucks big time when the guy behind you is incapable, etc. I don't know about this one. I mean, he's saying maybe it should be a two X if you're the one getting hit. The only problem with that one is he's basically asking it to start assigning fault. Um, I could easily, if somebody, I want to give somebody a four X knowing I'm only going to get a one X, just break, check the crap out of them. Right. So that's, that one's a dangerous can of worms. Yeah. And the right. number one, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's not always your fault when you hit run in the back of somebody. Sometimes it's the car in front's fault. So, yeah. Well, or you uh, like Martinsville. I mean, you could get run over from behind and get pushed into the car in front of you, you know, three-way push. Uh, his number one was safety car and virtual safety car. Number one wish. He says, surely it's about time for iRacing to introduce safety cars and virtual safety cars for road racing especially now that we have a decent Formula One car to drive and race. And more to the point, safety cars and VSCs are just an integral part of road racing, just as yellow flags and blue flags are. Now, I don't want to jump into an official race and spend the entire 40 minutes behind a safety car just because people haven't practiced and can't keep it out of the wall. However, I'm sure they could do something where if there was a four or more cars involved or it's an automatic safety car or something along those lines. Um, and there's already some third-party apps that do this. We've used it in a couple of our specialty races, and we're we're using it in the fast track league this year for the road courses. Uh, so I like the idea, but you you do have to place a little bit of a limit on it because in a, in a road course, you know, how many times do, are there so many little individual incidents? So kind of along the same lines, he's thinking so something how if you reach a certain uh, minute, certain number of incidents within a certain minute, or or the way the app works that we use, it, it just always triggers after a certain number of total X's, right? And I, I know I've seen a new app that will basically reset after so much time. So you have to have a big incident, not just a solo spin to bring out a caution. Um, so that would, it would be nice, but it, you have to, you do have to balance the fact that you don't want to spend, uh, just imagine how long a pace lap is at Coda. as big as that track is. Um, so you don't want to be spending a whole lot of time on the pace laps, but it is nice to have the field bunch up in occasion and, and have that element of the race. I was just thinking that it, last night at Coda, it would have been a, a lot more fun if we bunched up the cars somewhere after halfway and, and just, you know, try again. I always gain spots when we're on restarts like that on a road course and, or yeah, I'm always going forward at least for the first lap or two. So I would, I would welcome it. I'm thinking about like some of the videos we've uh, we've uh, had on here of like um, 
cars coming up through the S's at Watkins Glen, and the track just gets completely blocked, and cars are just slamming in and slamming in, and just uh, there's there's no yellow flag, so the cars that were ahead of that wreck are just gone. I mean, you can't catch them; they're gone. If if you got a if you got a break for yeah, uh, race over, if you got right? a, if you got a break for an incident like that where there's completely track is clogged, you know, there's no reason why something like that shouldn't have gone out of yellow. Yeah. So can you can you actually incorporate AI now that that decides is there enough blockage, especially on the first lap, to to warrant bringing things to a stop? Do it. Do it. Do it. What else should we do, Tony? Well, how about we get uh, teased with some more uh, rain videos? Well, at least one. It's about 11 seconds long. And um, I was pretty underwhelmed, but it could just be my resolutions. I couldn't see things very well. I could tell that the uh, uh, windshield wipers were working on this that, car. That's the whole thing. It's just the white, it, the car has a working wiper. That's, the, that's what this person found, Corey Preston. Oh, so there's no actual rain or anything happening? No, he just says he thinks rain is coming soon because we got a working wiper. Okay. Kind yeah, if you look at if you look at the clouds, it's just partly cloudy. But, I wanted to see like uh, you know lightning in the background and a hail of rain coming down, and you know, I don't know, you know maybe the the headlights are flashing on and off because he's all freaked out because you know he's going through a torrential downpour. But no, we get just a couple of swipes of the wiper. There you Fly, go. Flying cows, right? From Twister. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that too. So if you get in the forum post and scroll down, there's another video that shows an in-car with the uh, wiper on. And he, he said it's really distracting, you know, takes away your focus, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, this is the Porsche 992, I think. And uh, yeah. Well, Brian, is this uh, sponsor easier to say than Tag Heuer? Uh, it is for for me, but uh, so we talked a little bit about this last week. Um, CarQuest uh, was going to make a big announcement, and um, yeah, they finally uh, posted on their um, on the website. Tyler Hudson did uh, that. CarQuest Auto Parts will now be the official sponsor of the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series. So uh, this is the uh, again, this is for the iRacing. Sprint car series only. I think it doesn't this does not apply to the actual world outlaws. I think they're still um, sponsored by NOS Energy Drink. Um, but yeah, so you know, we've we've covered all the world outlaw races here, um, and uh, it's always a great great series, and uh, it's cool to have CarQuest adding their name to iRacing sponsors list. Um, and it's good that they see the value in what a sponsorship of you know these virtual races and virtual championship series can do. Now there were some new details in this and that's why I put it back on here. Um, it will begin in October with a series of six qualifying races. Those who qualify will compete in 10 world of outlaw pro series races beginning in November that and it concludes in January. The winner takes home a grand prize of 10 grand and the car quest cup. Yeah, pretty cool. And um, so we got a time frame. You know, it's later in the year. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to watching that. Yeah, that's a that's a good series. And um, so I'm assuming that they they've always they've always done it where the, I think the top ten or so um, carry over from the previous series. So uh, I guess these um, 
these qualifying races are going to be kind of like road the pro is for a Coke series. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get in the top, uh, top half or whatever. So now we're going to jump into the, the calendar portion, right? Uh, and this, this first one is not till July, but it's still interesting to talk about. Um, last year it was the, it's the peach tree three. It's an iRacing special event. Last year it raised $57,000 for the national multiple sclerosis society. Um, and it looks like it's going to be mostly your kind of smaller class GT fours and MX fives, uh, at road Atlanta. But what's particularly interesting about this is that it's designed to make money. So they've got some almost like power-ups that you can actually purchase. Um, teams can actually issue driver drive-through penalties to other competitors for $350. Um, and you can even call a caution for 500 or get a wave around for 1000 Now, wait a minute. So our team is running second. And I can just like cut a check for a thousand bucks and get a wave around, get back on the lead lap to contend for the win. That you can. That is cool. I've never heard of that before, but what a neat uh, concept to raise money. Um, yeah. Well, you know, the major series lets you t- lets you buy an extra attempt at qualifying. So it's, it's not novel, but it's definitely high dollar. Um, pr- pretty interesting idea. Uh, because it's for charity, it's nice, but uh, it rubs. It still kind of almost rubs me a little bit the wrong way. They, it's just not straight up racing, right? It's almost pay to win. But I mean, if it's for charity, well, there you go. There are multiple splits. Um, I don't know if that option is available in all splits, but there will be. Um, it's going to be featuring Steve Myers, and I think Chad Knaus is going to be around as well as Nick Ottinger. That. That I don't know if they're racing or announcing or not, but they're they're listed on the on the uh, information here at the top. I, I think that the thing last year was those three were a team, like they were all in the same car, and so I think that's the idea again. There you go. Yeah, so they'll they'll be running in the in the uh, top split or the broadcast split is what it's called. All right, so we'll keep yeah, we'll keep that on the radar. Um, if you guys are interested, get involved. The Sebring 12 Hours is the big one this weekend. Uh, that's where Greg is. He's actually preparing as we speak. Um, so, David, you guys ready? Yeah, we're plenty ready. We're running. We're teaming up with a crisscross guys. He's filling in our third spot this week. Uh, uh, Greg's running running one right now. I've already run a few. Um, we're plenty ready. It's it's uh, one of my favorite courses. Um, you know, uh, I've been making top split or upper splits in in the the official series and having decent runs, but you know, there's a lot of fast guys out there, but it's still, still my, one of my favorite road courses. It's especially, it's weird. Cause you know, we were just talking about road Atlanta. This one's Sebring is flat. There's no elevation changes. It's just a, it's out in Florida. It's on, a, it's a, it's an old military base and it's just flat and it's, but it's so pretty at night. It's so fun to drive. And uh, you didn't really dive into the details, but it's, the, it's almost all the same details. It's got the four time slots. It's the IMSA cars. Um, so it's, it's kind of the standard special event format nowadays. Okay. Uh, Tony, we got a new, uh, endurance championship. Yeah. And I think we were talking about this here last week. It's the Nurburgring endurance championship and it's a endurance series, obviously what does feature a series of nine endurance races. Each of them will be four to six hours long on the combined Nurburgring VLN circuit. 
And uh, with this one, drivers can participate solo or with a team. Well, that one's kind of cool. They um, kind of give a little background of what this series is, and they're saying it's um, it's like a grassroots series. Uh, that's the backbone of the actual races that take place on the Norse Life when it isn't in use for uh, public hot lapping. That's so made up of several motorsports clubs. Um, each of them host a one-off event totaling nine events throughout the year. And there's a ton of crossover with the Nurburgring 24. Um, yeah, that's kind of a, a neat little, uh, you know, kind of added uh, little FYI they, they add in there. Um, and now, here's that a looks like it. Oh, sorry, uh, David. I was just going to say, it looks like it starts off with in uh, on April 23rd, 24. Is this going to be able to do different classes for some of the different races, or is it going to be all five classes every time? All five every time is the way I read this. Right. And there's slow cars and faster cars, so should make for some interesting moments uh, with the Mazda out there and then the GT3 and GT4s. I saw a cup class, and I was like, they're doing what? <laughs> and then, you know, read a little further along, and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Porsche Cup. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Several of us during during Coda last night were saying how much more fun we'd have be having driving the Cup car at Sebring instead of Coda. All right, Brian. Next one is something to do with Bristol. Yeah, guys. This is um this is what they call they're they're calling the Bristol Double Header. It's actually two races. It's a um it's a uh, truck race um, followed by a Cup car race. There's different rules for each. Um, this is um this is um. $15 entry for the cups and it's a uh, $500 to win $500 to win. That's for the trucks. Um, now for the trucks, you have to have an I rating of 2,500 or less at the time you sign up. So it's not going to be like a, any, any ringers, you know, all, all of us mid-level guys uh, will have a chance to, uh, to do well on that one. Um, now the cups cup race is uh, open to everyone, including pros, and will be open setups. That's twenty-five dollars to enter. Enter in the Cup Series, one thousand dollars to win. So the truck race is a uh, two hundred laps um, and a stage break at lap eighty, and the uh, Cup race is four hundred laps and two stage uh, two stages, uh, one at one hundred and one at two hundred and twenty-five. So uh, so there's going to be uh, stages in this race. Um, open setup for the cars, uh, fixed setup for the trucks. It's going to be held on April 23rd, 2022. Uh, it's sponsored by the Garza Lawn Ball Firm and, uh, and the Ron Morris Racing broadcast, broadcast is going to broadcast it. So you can sign up at ronmorrisracing.com. And there's also a $100 award to a random driver from each field. So you don't even have to be good or do well to, uh, to get some cash in that one. So uh, something you want to check out if you're Bristol fans and, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of good events that you can check out. Yeah, a listener sent this in, uh, Ron Morris. And so sign up at ronmorrisracing.com or you can link to his Discord from our show notes. Yeah, so um, the payouts are based on 41 car fields, but um, if there's more than 41 drivers, they'll have heat races. So um, you still will get a chance to uh, make the feature race if, if there's more than 41 entries.
We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to brake deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacersLounge at checkout. Head over to the SimCoaches.com website and get yours now. Okay, podcast housekeeping notes. The aftermath. What's going on there? Oh, we uh, we missed uh, Scales last week. We did an episode. It was um, Mr. Rochette and Tyler Williamson joined us. Had a nice little chat talking about uh, you know things that we want to see in iRacing, or you know just kind of um, took off from you know one of the topics that we were talking about last week on the main show. Uh, it was it was a fun little chat, you know, short and sweet one, but uh, hey, those aren't so bad either. All right, very good. It was a good episode. Um, I did a little exercise that I haven't done for maybe two years. I went on Google and searched iRacers Lounge and found. Where are we actually being broadcast at? I mean, where can you find our podcast? And I found some new places that we are ha- not, we haven't been on before, I think. And so I kind of updated the list. I put it on the script. Uh, I'm going to read off uh, the list real quick. We got iTunes, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Outtail, Amazon, Pod- oh, Podtail's in there twice iHeart, Listen Notes, that's a new one. Luminary Podcast, that's a new one. Podcast Addict, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Podchaser, Deezer, Pandora, Audible, that's a new one, Audible. Chartable, that's new. Luminary, Ivy, Podcast Republic, Podmailer, Podbay, and I found our uh, raw RSS feed. And uh, you can get the link to all those on our front page at iRacersLounge.com. And then don't forget, the uh, we're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. All right, Tony, how did your uh, guys survive in the Fanta Salanida? <laughs> uh, well, I was, I'm was. i sure I was in the same boat with a lot of uh, you, and they didn't. Um, <laughs> I even picked off. You know, like I, I kept my... Uh, I treated it just like a, it, it's a plate race. That's That was my strategy going in. And um, it still didn't work all that well for me. Um, but I believe slash hope that my doing that has saved some uses uh, for later on down the road. Um, but it didn't really help my standings any. But, uh, you know, there's always winners. And uh, this week I was a loser again. But we'll, 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 uh, we'll turn that around. But... Uh, we got like uh, Mr. Rochette sitting uh, nicely in second place right now, which is um, pretty darn crazy. Good for him; he's doing really good. And our past uh, champion from last year, Res Dog, um, he's looking pretty good. You know, sitting in fifth. How'd you? Uh, I didn't follow everybody. Um, so how did how did you guys all fare out last week? Well, I see Brian's at the bottom of the list for last week, like literally. Yeah, I I forgot to change my uh, put in my people. <laughs> I'm thirtieth. Greg was fourteenth. 
Uh, Steve Lou Allen did pretty good in eighth. Uh, the highest of our group was uh, Tyler in fourth. It was and definitely smiling ninja in twelfth. She had a good week. Yeah, it was definitely one of those uh, just plate race things. It, just personally, I, I I don't do the fantasy, but I didn't enjoy the race format. Uh, it was it wasn't quite the same as the plate racing, but I, um, I would have just rather seen a mile and a half to be honest than than that the way they ran at that race well it was exciting um there was lots happening uh i mean don't get me wrong i'm still on the same you know i'm kind of in the same boat as as you david i'd rather just see a normal atlanta but that's just not going to happen anymore um i think they you know like the door bumper clear said like you know they they got what they're looking for you know Lots of lead changes, lots of side by side racing, lots of craziness. Um, yeah, it, it you know it wasn't too bad of a race. I mean, but it, it totally sucked for fantasy because you don't know what the hell to do. <laughs> but then we got uh, where are we at next week, Coda. So once again, you know, like um, we got some road guys, we got some new road guys, uh, Austin Sindrick and you know Ross Chastain's in really good equipment this year. So um, I, I really expect those two guys to you know, to be a factor for most of the day. Um, but you know what? Basically, the way my uh, luck's been going this uh, season, don't listen to anything I got to say because I really don't know what the heck I'm talking about. But we're going to keep trying. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. I'm going to kick off the hardware with a... Uh... We mentioned it earlier. Sim coaches spotted in the wild. We have the Sim coaches inverted hydraulic pedals, and they're linked up on an M1-3 motion rig. And um, the motion rig is definitely nice looking, and these pedals look good when they're upside down or right side up. Boy, do they. Um, and this rig is something else. Bobby told me it has the iRacers Lounge colors, um, and so maybe it, they should brand it that way, but I don't know. We need a little more white in there, but it's uh, I like the uh, I like the painted or extrude. What do they powder it? Powder the, coat. Powder coat it. Powder coat, I, yeah. I like that look. I wish I had that with my rig, but it was a matter of waiting more months to get one of the colors instead of just getting the plain aluminum. Yeah, I went with black, and um, I don't know if I'm a fan of the black. I think if I had a choice, I would have went with a a brighter color, but. It's okay. I mean, I put the blue inserts in it, and it gives it some pop, so I'm okay with it. I like the black, but uh, you can really see the dust when it starts collecting. Got lots of dust here. Yeah, I learned that lesson when I owned a black car back in the day. Now, what do you think about the angle of the inverted sim coaches? I mean, when I was thinking of inverting them, I mean, like, they hang completely upside down. These are kind of at an angle, like a 40-degree angle. That's the angle I would want them at. Uh, like, I specifically try to get my – I have mine not inverted, but I have my throttle leaning back as far as I could get it to lean and still work right, just because it's more comfortable that way. That's the way it's, it's going to sit in a real car. I see. So – we know that these uh, brake pedals, they use a lot of brake force to engage. Do you think having them upside down like that will, will be any kind of compromise as far as how much you can push on them? Or, or, or as long as they're mounted really well, they'll be it's, okay? It's mounted to it, – it's going to depend on, I guess, your rig because it's mounted – mine's mounted to an aluminum plate. You're just mounting it upside down to an aluminum plate. So if that aluminum plate doesn't move, you're going to be fine. 
I mean, this guy's rigs are known for his massive, you know, pedal overkill, you know, mounting option. And, and there's no way that one moves, but on a weaker rig, you're absolutely right, Brian, you know, it could be, you know, tweaking. It's uh that's quarter inch aluminum, right? That's how thick that plate is. I don't, if I'm just giving it a rough guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the ba- the plate would be fine. I'm just worried about the connection points to to the plate to the rig. Oh no. You know, if if that's going to be any kind of issues with something like that. Yeah, the the pedals will definitely stick really well to the plate and then and then it's just going to be a matter the rest of the it's just going to come down to having the right rig. I kind of really like the idea of pedals being inverted. It feels a little bit more natural to me um, than than pedals that are all on the floor. But um, it's kind of hard to get the combinations because a lot of times the throttle pedals is on the ground and the brake is up top, right? Yeah, but if you look at um, a lot of sports cars, they actually have them on the ground. And the new uh, the new next gen car, it's on the ground. So it it. it it's one and a half, two dozen, another, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I guess whatever ends up feeling more comfortable. I know I'm super happy with the way mine feel. Now, when I got my MPCC pedals many, many years ago, they were the first of the kind inverted. I mean, I don't think anyone offered inverted pedals before that, that I can remember. And so that was a key selling point for me. I was like, oh, wow inverted pedals i mean this will be like a real car and the guy selling them had a specific mount for my specific rig so i was just like sold 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 that's kind of like when i got this when i got the sim coaches it was because they literally had them on the shelf that night sold <laughs> so this is something you don't have to buy on the shelf though uh we have a companion yet brian yeah this is uh called the zero x companion app it's from Mikey Pollard, and he posted in the forums that he's announcing the release of a new companion app for the iRacing, and it's native to the iOS, Apple, iPhone, so iPad. So gives you access to your license, stats, results, schedules, standings, driver searches, and more. Um, it, actually, uh, it also has a home screen widgets and handy share features for easily sharing your great race results. So, um, yeah, it's... Um, it's, you know, again, it's for Apple, so you got to have a, an Apple product. But um, I, I, I currently use a um, the iScheduler app on my phone. It, it This looks like it's actually a little bit more, you know, maybe a good bit more detailed with what you can do with it than the iScheduler. Um, it's really cool because it brings you can you can go right to the iRacing uh, schedule page and, and look through the entire schedule. Um, so. I'm I'm going to take a look at this because I I like the iScheduler, but there's some things about it that I wish were better, especially as far as like um, uh, narrowing down the searches for what races you want to look for. Um, and uh, yeah, I might take a look at this one. So it's called the Zero X Companion app, and and uh, yeah, it's got graphs and everything else that that you don't see in the scheduler. So uh, yeah, you might want to check that out if you have an iPhone or an iPad and you're looking for a, a mobile app for your iRacing stuff. I know Rochette enjoys shooting screenshots of the standings in the different series from his phone app instead of pulling them off the website. Yeah, I use the app as well, iSchedule, and it actually, you can pull up hosted races, but there's no way to sort it. If they could sort it by 
usually sort them by how many pit stalls are taken so you can see which ones are populated um but this it was cool like i was just sitting in the other room like i wonder if there's a hosted race i want to jump in and i could just pull up that app and pull it up but there were so many of them you can't really figure out what you know what's what so yeah if this app is better brian you know let me know i i, I might check it out now i think our we have the uh, the wrong link in our our notes so you might have to search it this next one i'm just uh I'm kind of wordless. I'm curious to see what uh, Groves might have to say about it. Um, I mean, it, it's cool, but I, I couldn't find where it says it has motion because I find I kind of think this is a bit overkill if you don't do motion. Anyways, what we're looking at, it's it's Vettel's, um, Sebastian Vettel's home sim racing rig, and it is it's it's cut out of a F1 car, um, like the the cockpit. Uh, set up against, like a real uh, one. Yeah, 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 real. Yeah, um, and it's got like a uh, you know triple monitor set up, uh, set in front of it. And I was looking through the article and trying to like see some pictures or maybe a video, like hoping like if you're gonna go through all this, um, make it move. But I don't, I can't tell if it can. It doesn't I think it look does. like it does. Well, only because of the massive uh, rack with all the cabling that goes into it. That, that's not a computer. The computer's behind the monitor, it looks like. And so that has to be powering the motion, um, like it's a, I would guess. Well, okay, so you got some speakers um, coming out the, the back, like at, at the saw on the side, and I'm seeing cabling for that, and I'm seeing, you know, cabling going for the big speakers at the front. And oh, now if you um, look kind of underneath where it says like Austin Martin, but look underneath the rig, it almost looks like it could be an actuator um, on the far side of the rig. It's kind of hidden by the framing on um, the side that's closest to the camera. So I'm maybe. Not- I'm not convinced it's motion, but it, it still looks really nice. And motion is not the be all and end all. We've kind of—I don't know if we've talked about this or if I—we I, got into it in the discussion on, on over with the Apex guys. But um, the butt kicker, I think, is a bigger difference maker than than the motion. Uh, but yeah, if you're going to spend this kind of money, motion would be nice too. Of course, this may just have been a throwaway part, right? We're done with this chassis. Let's turn it into a rig. Yeah, maybe this is like in. You know, it's like it's not quite there. Maybe he's still like building it because you know he's got the seat belts kind of hanging out the back, not really attached to anything. That would go great for like a, a setup like Brian has, where it's got the tensioning system. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like if you're gonna go through all this, it, it needs motion, in my my opinion. The beauty of this is the actual cockpit. You know, it's real. The halo. I mean, it's massive. I just love it. You'd actually have to look through the halo, which would be funny if you were actually running the F1 car in iRacing as well. So you've basically got a double halo. Well, let's talk some beefy hardware next. Um, This guy in PCMag.com trying to reach 1,000 frames per second on Doom Eternal. Uh, How? Well, he's using liquid nitrogen uh, to cool his PC. And he basically put a, a metal container on top of the chip and then he pours liquid nitrogen into the bowl. Um, and you have to constantly, you can only do this for a short time and you have to fill it up again and again. 
And uh, yeah, so it's quite a project. And I'm thinking, well, maybe uh, we need some liquid nitrogen cooled PCs for iRacing. You need this kind of stuff if you're trying to 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 do like astronomy, like with the James Webb Telescope, not not play Doom. My <laughs> Hardys might be a little out of order when when you when you got that kind of a uh, investment into something like that, and uh, just so you can play Doom. Yeah, so he had a 2080 Ti, and he uh, ramped it from 1.6 gigahertz up to 2.4 gigahertz. And he get, it looks like he ended up getting about 600 frames per second. And they do show a picture of him pouring the liquid nitrogen into the the thing. And, and you can see the frost, like, on all the parts and everything. I mean, it, this doesn't look good for the computer. Uh, it looks like some Frankenstein stuff, to be honest with you. It's, it's pretty interesting. But, um, I mean, your eyes can't pick up that kind of frame rate. It, it, you know, it makes no difference if it's a thousand or 600 or, or 200, your eyes can't pick up that, that fast of a frame rate anyway. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, he's doing it cause he can, it's obviously not practical, but right. it, it, it's pretty, it is kind of entertaining to see the attempt. Maybe it would be like a fan, you know, you blink really fast. You can kind of see individual fan blades. Maybe you got to blink really fast to see the, see the frame rate work no all right well they can't all be winners <laughs> now i asked tyler if he wanted this next one brian yeah so this is uh some guy who posted a video on youtube his name's atanas zipster um uh, so i probably butchered that but it's kind of a weird name but um he has he has shown you a way to how to do the boost kit for the Fanatec CSL DED, you know, so, you know, you can obviously buy the boost kit. It, it takes it what from five to eight Newton meters, I believe for, um, for the strength of that, um, CSL DD. Um, but, um, I don't know what's, what's Fanatec charge like 300 bucks, almost 200 something. Crazy. That, I, I don't remember exactly, that. but yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's a couple hundred bucks to get that booster kit. So this, this guy uh, shows you on his YouTube page, how he did it uh, in D DIY style for $50. So he was able to get that boost uh, for 50 bucks. Um, now, I mean, it makes me a little nervous, you know, when you start using outside stuff on proprietary uh, equipment that, that something's not going to work right or, something's going to go catastrophically wrong with it. But um, yeah, maybe it doesn't. So, and you save yourself $150, $200. I don't know. The thing that makes me nervous about this too is, you know, now that it's out there on how to build it, and we know that the motor can accept a variable amount of power. Like it comes with a cheaper, lower power supply. They sell this more expensive you know, bigger power supply at a higher voltage, wattage, whatever. And so that means the motor can accept, you know, all this different voltage. So who's going to stop, you know, this sim racer guy to say, okay, I'm going to do what they, they do in this video, but I'm going to buy the part that is 20% more powerful than the part they show in the video, you know, and then they amp it up even more, you know, can the motor handle it? Are you creating a fire hazard? I mean, there's so many different things. And you're running into, obviously, you do anything like this, you're going to break the warranty. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. That's if you can get Panatech to answer the phone if you have a problem anyway. <laughs> they don't have phones. 
That's right. You're right. Or answer your email, I should say. This next one, uh, Bri- uh, not Brian, uh, Mike was showing me, and it's kind of interesting because I love my butt kicker, but it does have a tendency to overheat if I have it cranked up too too high at one of the oval courses. There's a couple of new uh, heavy-duty butt kickers that are out called the Game Gamer Plus and the Gamer Pro. And we got several YouTube videos out uh, to show to show some reviews on them as well. Yeah, we talked about this last week, but we got a lot more videos this week on it. So I thought we would talk about it again because one thing that was brought up was the software that comes with it. It is a subscription software. And some of that's rubbing some of the reviewers the wrong way. And I think it rubs me the wrong way too. Yeah, for something like this with hardware, that I don't like that idea either. However, I'm just doing fine with just the iRacing LFE features on mine. SimHub. SimHub 100%. Even the paid version of SimHub. Um, and so if I bought this, I think I would, I would continue to use SimHub, I think. And I'm so, assuming that that is possible, right? You don't have to use their software? So it has a USB and an audio input. And so the idea is use the USB cable if you're using the the new, you know, subscription software they offer. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way with an audio input like we always do. Well, it's not bad if it's at least backwards compatible. I, I, I'm tempted, you know, to just get one of these and put it on the back and take my current one and put it on the front. I even have a spot for the amp still, and, and I, I'm all ready for it. I mean... So this very well might be a summer project for me um, after I get my wheel. So it looks this, like they really beefed up their um, their clamp system as well. Um, and I've actually had one of my clamps break on on one of my butt kickers. I had to I had to send it back. And to their credit, they did replace it, and I didn't have any issues with it. But um, but uh, this one looks like you you won't have that issue with a with a busted clamp on it. They also have mount holes right on the the butt kicker itself so you don't have to use the clamp you can literally just bolt that right onto your rig and that might be the way to go i think that might give a a better you know contact between the the transducer and the rig than the clamp would ever do so pretty expensive 320 i think it is for the pro yeah i mean i think i got my gamer twos for under 200 um, so it was like 180, something like I that. Paid maybe 240 when I bought mine. Yeah, I got mine when they were running a, a 199 special, I believe. So, you know, that's a good bit more. Um, but you know, if it if it's a lot better experience as far as handling that extra extra heat and all, like they was talking about, uh, yeah, it might be worth paying the extra money for that. Well, and if you're buying one for the first time or buying additional ones, this is a no-brainer to get the, the new one over the the old one. This next one, Brian, blew me away a little bit. What a compact motion system. Yeah, this is from Neck Level Racing. They call it their Motion Plus platform. Um, it's selling for uh, $34.99, $3,500. And it's, it's a different way to do... Um, um, motion for a, a platform type of system like a, an 820 system 
So instead of having the four individual actuators that uh, move up and down independently and, uh, you know, give you a tilt forward and back and side to side motion, this one is like one uh, solid long piece that goes left to right across your rig and has uh, just a pivot point there that, that will rotate the rig um, on those uh, axes you know, side to side, front and lift it up and back. So uh, you'll get um, four degrees of motion on this. It's not a six degree where you get the um, the yoke uh, of the of the turning of the vehicle, but um, it does give you uh, the four the uh, four points of uh, motion. So um, you're right though, Mike. It's it's very compact. It sits right underneath the rig, so it doesn't protrude out the side like the actuators do. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting looking system. Um, uh, it's priced fairly well for full, for um, you know for emotion, so it looks like it's a pretty promising way to go. Yeah, so the 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 motion part that you're talking about is on the back part of the rig, on like a, across the back legs, as you would call it, and then on the front is just a pivot, like a half circle pivot point. Really, it's just a hard piece. It's like a half circle, and and it's kind of everything just kind of rolls across that half circle thing as the back is lifting or dropping each corner. Um, if, if, if I described it right, but to see it with the, um, the next level racing, uh, 80, 20 cockpit, um, you know, the iRacing edition one that they have, it looks really, really nice. I mean, it, what a setup, but I don't know, man. I mean, it's a lot of money, you know, considering you can get the, you know the the four post D box style. You know for twenty four hundred, and this is you know a thousand more than that. Um, but man, I mean, you could even bolt this onto any you know like a SimLab P one X. You know, really, I mean, it's compatible with basically any eighty twenty rig. Yeah, um, looking at it really really well, um, the um, the pistons that come off the bottom of it, they don't look super beefy. Um, so that's something I would might be concerned about if I was uh, really looking hard into it. Um, so, you know, you're you're lifting up the entire rig plus whoever's sitting on it. That's a lot of weight, and it's a you know, if all these parts aren't built strong enough, you're going to have problems eventually. So, that's one of the things I would check into really well before I would uh, dive into this system. But um, other than that, it looks pretty solid, though. I'll give it that. There's another picture on their website where they put the pivot piece on the back and the motion piece on the front. So I guess you could do it either way. It is uh, it is pretty. And like, what's unique about it, like you said, Brian, is it it's completely underneath the rig. It doesn't stick out the side at all. And so the footprint, it's like it's not even there hardly. Yeah, that that's that's right. Um, so my rig I have set up on a platform, and when I got my um, actuators for motion i had to extend the width of the platform because when you add those actuators on the side you know you add almost another foot to the width of your whole footprint so um something like this i wouldn't have had to do that i could have kept the initial footprint size and just it just went with this i almost bought a next level racing rig i was really really close and then if, if I had, I would be looking at this going, okay, now I got to get this to match it, you know? Here you go. That's how it works. All right. Next up, uh, heads up, there's an update to sim racing apps. 
uh, server version 1.18. I did update recently. Um, basically, he added the iRacing new content that's been released uh, since December. Um, he added the ability to control all aspects of the gauge parameters. Um, he disabled the pit count down uh, now that iRacing has its own. You can re-enable it in the settings. See the release notes. I would so if, at least stick with the sim racing one, the apps first one versus the end game. And if you turn your chattiness down real low on the end game, you won't hear it. So if you do update, then that means you need to go into the settings and turn it back on if you want to keep the sim racing uh, countdown. Okay. So we're looking at a wheel next, right? Cube controls wheel. It's like a Mercedes branded one. Um, is this one of those that can go in the wheel as I'm, or in the actual car as I'm glancing at, at the website? Yeah, this is kind of like uh, what they were doing with the, the Bentley and the BMW, you know, what Fanatec was doing. Now Cube Control is doing the same thing, but with Mercedes AMG. So this is developed exclusively, exclusively for the GT Track Series. It has a lot of range adjustments and control opportunities, uh, ergonomics features, and the look have been developed strictly together with AMG to ensure the proper race car filling without sacrificing uh, the premium materials design and finish. So I guess you can throw this one on the rig or the car. So they just announced this in a blog post like today. There's no price or anything like that. It's not for sale yet. Um, but there you got a picture of it. It looks much like the wheel I bought, but toned down. It's not like as many buttons and it doesn't have the rotaries and the paddles and all the other stuff. Um, real sleek looking. Well, one of the reasons you might not have as many of the paddles in a G on a GT wheel is because if you look at the dash, you got some of those rotaries over there. Yeah. But uh, more to come on that. We have no idea what the price will be or anything like that. But, you know, when I saw the email from Cube Controls about a new wheel, I kind of held my breath. Oh, no. Did I buy the wrong one? Did I not wait long enough? And I should have waited and got this one instead. But no, I got the right one. All right, uh, Tony, the next one we've got is the MR-Mobile. Yeah, I wasn't sure if uh, we were going to see this one on the script tonight or not. I come across this earlier just today. and this. One year kind of seems like it's gonna it could solve um, a lot of problems for a lot of guys. Like if you're short on space, you need to, you know, you need to get that rig, uh, you know, folded up and moved out of the way. This one would sounds like it could be a very good option, um, and it does just that. It it looks like it uh, fairly easily uh, just folds right up and has like a pretty small um, footprint and. You know, it's 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 not a plastic. It's it's made from uh, five millimeter aluminum and uh, thirty series aluminum profile, and it's uh, sturdy enough. They say it has no problem holding you know, any DD wheel. And I got I got you. I want you to try imagining one thing though. Just look at the video when it's unfolded, and imagine trying to reach that brake pedal around that center post. Well, the center post for sure would be a problem um, for you know, uh, a lot of people, but, um, you know, there are sacrifices needed to be made to, for this stuff to, um, you know, for what you're looking for. Right. I mean, the center post is, is a two or three inches thick maybe. And it's literally in front of the brake. I mean, David's got a very good point. 
Yeah, I've, I've, we've had teammates who who basically have not been able to drive certain cars because because of their GC. So I I wouldn't recommend this one um, unless you're going to to get rid of the clutch and get your brake pedal all the way out to the side and just focused on using only a, a steering wheel clutch. A two pedal system, yeah, mm-hmm. that might work. The fold the way it folds up, Tony, like you said, the the picture where it's all folded together. I mean, it's no bigger than what an office chair would take up. You know, yep. space wise, it needs a speaker attached though, so it can make the transformer sound when it's changing. <laughs> yeah, I know you're right though. It's um, yeah, very very small footprint, lots of adjustability. Um, so I mean, you can customize this thing to how you want it to, you know, to fit you. You know, and they say it'll it'll fit, um, you know, drivers anywhere from four feet to six foot six. Um, so there's uh, you know, lots of flexibility, but yeah, you know, the center post could could be a problem but you know what for a lot of people um this just a really good solid option and you know might keep the uh keep the wife happy yeah and no price really it says coming soon price is coming soon there's a one dollar uh you know reserve you can pay one dollar and reserve uh, you know as a deposit yeah yeah reserve your spot in line um they figure in this is gonna come it says coming soon april may so i don't know if that's when they're gonna actually start taking official pre-orders or when they're gonna launch a price um i mean it's it's almost april so um yeah i don't know maybe we'll uh if they keep this thing updated we can update down the road when it gets a little closer to uh getting released it does have the advantage over some of the like the uh play seats, I guess is what I meant to say. Instead of G seats, you can put your own chair in there. Um, it's, uh, it comes with one, I guess that's kind of looks very minimal, but you can throw a Sparco in there or any other kind of actual proper bucket seat if you want as well. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not doing any endurance races with the seat that that comes with. No way. That little <laughs> go-kart seat. Yeah. That's not going to, that's not going to fly. It's got no back support, you know, at least on those, um, on those ones that are real late where you lay down, at least you're, you know, it cradles you. Um, but this one, it looks like you're, you know, it, it supports your lower back somewhat, but the top part. It looks like the seat for a, a kitty, a kitty, uh, go-kart or not kitty go. It yeah, looks like, exactly. a, it looks like a, a theme park ride, you know, on one of those like kid roller coasters where, you know, you know it's just tiny. Like a little pedal car almost. Yeah. No, that's what it is. It says right there. It's a it's a carting seat, a durable carting seat. But yeah, it's uh doesn't scream comfort by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, rip that off there, put a proper seat in, and uh, it still folds up just nicely with one of those big seats. But one dollar right. seems kind of odd to me. To be honest with you, that you're going to reserve one for a dollar. Well, it's going to eliminate your people who are just trolls. You know, but at the same time, you you said that I, I wouldn't use your regular card either. I'd get you a, a little ten dollar limited credit card or something. Um, usually, somebody a list of people that are probably interested in yeah. buying. You know, you, if, if you're willing to spend the one dollar, it's more about willing to put the effort in, basically, versus uh, somebody who's just going to type their name in once. All right, the website anse3d.com. How about another 
source for another direct drive wheel. They're coming out of the woodwork. I mean, I can't even keep up with how many manufacturers make wheels now. But we got another one, and it's from China. Surprise. It's called IMM Source, and they have three products, the ET3, the ET5, and the FD1. And I found a video from Lawrence DeSawa where he took a first look at them. Uh, they basically sent the products to him, and he uh, did a review, unboxing kind of thing. I watched about two-thirds of the video. Um, I mean, it worked, but he had challenges. Like, the software was in Chinese, and it took him – he had to, like, pause the video and do some research before he figured out there was a button he could put it in English, you know. So just little hiccups like that. Um, he also had trouble – getting the settings just right. Like he had a lot of where he, he wanted the wheel to be free and he couldn't get it to be free and he was moving the sliders around. And, and so there were certain, some certain challenges with the software. Um, there's two versions, the 10 and 17 NM version. Um, and they're for sale at a bruisey racewear of all places. Yeah, a bruisey uh, is known for selling gloves and sim gloves and sim shoes. But when, boy, when I went to their website to look at this new wheel, they a bruisey is selling uh, all kinds of sim equipment. Uh, not only do they have the IMM source, uh, but they sell uh, also the Sim Magic uh, as well as the uh, other ones as well. The Moza, they have the Moza wheel um, as well. And they also offer um, the gloves and shoes, like I said, as well. So um, go over some prices here because they're in pounds. It looks like if you get the ET5 just by itself, you're looking at uh, about $1,200. Seems high. That's the uh, that's the seventeen newton meter one, right? Right. So you compare that to what the DD one, which is twenty, and that's twelve hundred, right? Fifteen hundred. Fifteen. I believe so. Now, yeah. Wow. I think I only paid a thousand. I'll double check on that. So you can get the uh, the ET three with one of the wheels, their FD one uh, oval wheel, or their FD one D which is the uh, wheel with the flat bottom, and um, they're 910 pounds. That's uh, $1,500 for the wheel and, I, and the base combo. And I did just double-check the Fanatec DD1. was It's $1,200. Hmm. Okay. And one, one thing that the video pointed out that, I, that he, uh, I wasn't aware of is he said that the quick-release hardware – is the same across the IMMM source, the Moza, and the Sim Magic. All three manufacturers are using the same quick releases. Yeah, it's just your standard NRG quick release. Okay. But it's good that there's some standard there at least, right? <laughs> well, it, that could be very well the same company over there. China's economy is got a lot of commercial and not commercial at the same time. So they could all be the same company or at least have somebody telling each of the companies how to do it. There was a video of uh, maybe a couple months ago. I watched that somebody was suggesting basically that the, the motors inside these are all from the same source in China and that these companies are just, you know, 
regurgitating the same product, you know, with different housings and, and wheels and stuff. That doesn't seem implausible. Oh, that's very likely what's going on. Um, I mean, you just look at this, like even the housings are, you know, these look, don't look much different than my Sim Magic. Um, probably not a bad thing though. Get lots out there. Keeps driving that price down, hopefully. Yeah, I, I thought the price was a little high, but compared to the Moza and the Sim Magic, uh, this is the highest one. Well, let's jump into the results. What do you say? All right. NASCAR iRacing Series. Atlanta. Let's finish up. Friday open. I was wrecked out. The guy directly in front of me pounds the wall in turn one. Takes us all out. But but before that, I had hit the wall and then a caution. I, I came in. I took four tires and fuel. And I stayed about 30 seconds for damage. Now, once the damage was done... I got to pull where I was able to pull away. All of a sudden, they're putting right side tires on again. I panic. I go quickly with my mouse to uncheck the tires quickly. I hit the left, then the right. But I think I actually inadvertently clicked the right on again. So they changed the right side tires again. So I lost a lap. And I ended up taking one set of lefts and three sets of rights all in the same stop. Cue the circus music. I have no idea what I did. And I didn't touch anything, I swear. And I don't have any apps, you know, clicking on my tires. And, you know, why did it give me tires after the damage? I have no idea. Did you have required damage? No. Okay, because I know that it will, it will not, sometimes it will not do tires until after required damage is fixed. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe I don't remember that, but maybe that is it. It messed me up because then I didn't have enough tires to get through the race. But I ended up wrecked out anyway, so it ended up being a non-issue. Yeah, I was doing okay, and we had green flag stops, and I sped. And then trying to make up for it, I also got unsafe exit. And so then I just went ahead and sped again into the pits and slammed it into the inner pit wall and parked it. It was just not a good day, and and the slump was continuing, and uh, I wasn't going to race around for three, three or four hours, whatever, or was going to race around three or four laps down the rest of that night. Okay, and then Adam Jocelyn, he wrecked out too, and Tony Groves, you wrecked out. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, it's pretty much a common theme for the night. I think I made it to lap seven, and I got totaled. I got a little loose coming out of two and somebody drove through me and kind of like the repeat of the week before just pile drove me into the wall and like it was over 40 minutes of damage yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff on and you just hear about every 10 20 minutes i'm out later i'm out (laughs) yeah that's kind of how that night went how about sunday open brian wrecked out yeah, so uh, this is a fun race. We were about halfway through, had about cautions by that point. Um, so here's the situation. I was coming out of turn two, and there was a car, a group of cars, about two, three seconds in front of me. One of the cars uh, got loose coming out of two, darted down, you know, down towards the fence into the concrete, came back up the track. And and right before turn three, I was catch. I just caught up to him in the turn three. Uh, he was on the bottom. I went all the way high, all the way around the fence, just to 
so he could collect himself because he was just down there on the on that uh, on that um, apron part, and uh, gave him tons of room, uh, and uh, and everything was fine. Came around to the next lap. Well, I got to run on him coming down the back stretch, and then. I went low on into turn three and four and uh, like on the exit when we were getting ready to exit turn four he came down and ran into me and to my side you know I was able to collect it and um, and none of us wrecked but you know he yelled at me for I don't know for holding my line I think and and running into me so he was all upset because uh, we made contact I, I and for my part I just sort of told him I, I was down on the bottom I was holding my line I don't know what you're talking about Two laps later, there was a caution, and he decides to dump me in under caution. He wrecked right into me. I, mm. I went into the wall, crashed my car, had like five and a half minutes of damage. So I, I didn't finish the race. I didn't, and um, and that was it. That's a protest. It was a protest, and I did protest because, um, I mean, it's bad if I make a if I screw up and you retaliate. That's bad enough, but when it wasn't even my fault to begin with, and then you retaliate against me for you screwing up, that, that, that kind of really rubbed me wrong way. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, I sent in a protest, but and I got the form response back that, you know, your, your, your um, protest has been resolved or whatever. But um, uh, I, I've been following him ever since, and he's still racing. So apparently that's not what you get... Um, that's not worth the suspension. Good to what? Know. How is that just a warning? You know, any first offense, yeah. just about unless it's, I guess, basically racist is is a uh, just a warning. Any first offense. Yeah, maybe it was a first offense, but you did the right thing doing the protest. And I was talking to Tyler. He's like, man, it it takes a lot to get Brian to protest because he's such a happy-go-lucky guy. Uh, he was pissed. Yeah, I was I was literally shaking. I was so upset about this because I race with people, you know, f for the most part, you know, you know, unless we're like coming down to the end and it's real tight racing, I give people all the all the room they need. I don't, you know, I race with a lot of respect, I, in my opinion. But you know, to to you know, and the lap before, I gave him so much room so he could collect himself after having an issue coming down the back stretch. You know, and then for this same guy just to pinch me down and then yell at me and then dump me. It was just really got on my nerves. <laughs> All right. So we go from the lows to the high. David, win. Man, finally, after all the crap, this is a tough, tough start to the season. Um, I take this win on a three lap shootout. There was about 70 laps to go um, where we had a pit stop and under caution. I made it a little bit too loose. And as a result, I was I ended up saving rule, saving fuel involuntarily, and I was going to make it, but a caution landed with about ten laps to go, um, and it traps a lot of the guys down that weren't saving fuel, kind of behind us. They had to take the wave around, uh, and and race us the rest of the way on older tires. Um, so they had they were in the back. I restarted third and. With the adjustment, I tightened the car way back up and was able to take the lead in one lap. We had another caution, three-lap shootout, and I was able to pull away. Well done. Good way to turn it around. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the next night, the league race didn't go so great. Okay, Tony, and uh, you're backing up your stuff with a win. Yeah, how about that, eh? Uh, 
That, that was awesome. Great set. Uh, this time, uh, Friday night, I qualified. This time, I said, no way. I didn't qualify, and I was actually the last number in the room, so I started dead last, and I was able to just kind of sit back and let everybody kind of wreck, and then um, made my made my way up into the top 10. Like, I had a fast car, and um, I really enjoyed racing that track. I just got, got around there quite well. So I, I was pretty much able to stay in the top five uh, for the whole second half of the race. And then I had the lead at about 30 to go. And a lap car decided he didn't want to go a lap down or, you know, another lap down and decided he wanted to race me. And uh, ended up using up my tires, got myself, uh, you know, I smacked a wall, lost the lead. And uh, I was still in second place. And a caution came out with eight or nine to go and the leader decided he wanted to pit and gave me the lead and that was it like uh i got the restart and just took off and they, they couldn't catch me for you know it was a three lap shootout just like david had at the end and i just drove away from everybody and took it home it was awesome stack them up man let's keep stacking them well done yeah our, our team is doing good i think we won everything but phoenix so far so we're on a roll. Sunday fixed. I ran P14. I got jumped three different times from people that couldn't hold their lane. Like I'd hold my lane, they're on the inside and they can't hold it and they just, you know, come up into you. But it wasn't too much damage. So I soldiered on. I found the wall a few times on my own and I eventually wrecked really hard near the end. Man, I suck. I, I mean, that, that set was tight, tight, tight too. Steven uh, Llewellyn was out there with us. Uh, he got wrecked out. Uh, Tyler, he got a finish and he got P8. He said, finally, a dang top 10. Finished with 13X, all from getting dinged and doored. A eventual, eventful race with cars going everywhere. Fixed set was just too dang tight. Early damage on lap two had my RPM down to 1967. Had to keep the car wound up on the outside. Another what could have been on Dakota. So let's talk Coda. Wednesday open. David wrecked out. Yeah, I was doing okay, running about 20th and just uh, made a mistake at the end and got stuck in the wall. And, and it's, you know, the road courses are just not going to affect the points too much. So I wasn't too worried about it. I was like car 30 and was running 20th. So, you know, not terrible considering how tough those fields are on those. And you don't get any, you don't get any resets or, or cautions or, or anything so you basically are going to finish where your pace is for the most part other than people who take themselves completely out all right and then i got a nice p10 started 14th kept it really clean i never never spun off not even once i had 12x by the end um i thought for sure i wasn't going to finish i thought for sure i'd get the the disqualification from too many one x's um but boy, was I backing up those fast uh, braking zones. I mean, I was braking way early just to make sure I didn't screw up. Like 20 feet early um, on purpose because I just don't trust myself to overdrive this car. And that this car, that I mean, overdriving at Coda, man, it's, it's so easy to do. It is so easy to do. So I'm yeah. one and done. I'm not gonna try it again, I don't think. I did try it uh, this afternoon, and uh, what did I put? Finished 18, I think. Well, you no. didn't stick it in the wall, though, right? 
No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, f- I forgot to type it in. It looks like... Uh, no, there it is. P18. <laughs> I just said, who cares? Again, I was car 27 or so and uh, out uh, just out-survived the people that I could out-survive and got outrun by the people who were faster than me. I'm, I'm putting down 15s and um, the fastest guys are putting down like 8s and 9s and that's just... I don't have that pace. Uh, I am really enjoying the, uh, the, the braking with the pedals. I've, I've, I'm I'm outrunning some of the guys in the S's, but I think I need to slightly tweak just how stiff I have the throttle because I'm still spinning the wheels just a little bit too much getting on the gas. And I, I think that's where I'm losing most of my time right now. Okay. Um, Adam Jocelyn ran today. I think he had 10th, but he actually had to do a drive through and he stuffed it into the barrels, basically uh, go, getting into pit road way too hot. And, and uh, that whole process did not lose a spot. That's how much of a gap there was. Yeah, Tyler Williamson, he ran with me last night. He ended up with the best finish so far, P7. Um, he did have a drive-through and still finished P7. I don't think he's running again either because he was not having fun. It's um, It goes along the same lines we were talking about with the, with the you don't restack the field. So you basically just try to run and not screw up and when you do screw up there's never any getting it back um so it's not the most fun event uh to, to hop on when you're in iRacing i agree and i think i said last night this may have been the hardest nascar race i've ever run just the amount of focus i had to do to not screw up to not run it off the road to to not get too many x i mean and it wasn't, it, I say it was hard, but I'm also saying it wasn't fun either. I agree. Um, that's why I'm one and done. I'm not going to run this again. I just want my points and let's move on next, to next week. It's too bad that they can't have different um, exporters for different class cars. Because when we watch the real guys, they're going to be so abusing these areas that we're not allowed to with the 1Xs all of the runoffs they're going to be you know where you you can't touch the curbs really in in the s's and they're as long as they stay away from the turtle they can basically just about do whatever they want so it's too bad that they can't make that adjustment you don't want to allow that kind of uh leniency in an f1 car but these these are you know twice the weight you're right this would be a lot funner if i didn't have to worry about the one x's i mean i'm not like going off every time but you know, sometimes in that infield, you go just a, a foot wide and you get one, you're like, damn, I shouldn't have got one for that. Yeah, track limits need to be adjusted, I think. Um, I talked to Tyler after his race, and he said just the track limits were just ridiculous. Yeah, it makes it not fun. Like, if it was more relaxed, I think we could really race and enjoy it a little bit. Let's talk other racing hosted. I ran a bunch of stuff. I ran, uh, wrecked out of the 87 the tally that some guy was intentionally was on the apron and he turned up into the leaders as we went by. And uh, yeah, this was in the Chris McGuire hosted and I'm pretty sure that guy got what we call permaban where he gets blacklisted and he's never gonna be allowed to, to join those hosted servers again. It's a shame when people do that. We had a good race going. Did something happen to the uh, notes because the entire fast track entry is missing? I don't know. Uh, the next one is Gen 5 at Daytona. That was super fun, but got wrecked out. Uh, then I ran a couple carb cups at Tally. 
I was wrecked out each time. I did a Delara Dash at Charlotte, wrecked as well. Pickup Cup at Daytona, wrecked. You see a trend here. Uh, Man Cave After Dark, Thursday Night Truck League. I ran Texas, was running dead last, and then I plowed the wall to make it worse, and I parked it. No fun. It's no fun to be dead last in the league when there's not a lot of drivers anyway. Um, so, yeah. I, and I'm not going to be running that, that tonight. They're running uh, five flags, and I don't think I have that track. Let's talk fast track uh, racing. Do you remember what you did? Well, I know I was involved in that early, Rick. Uh, we had a guy get loose and, and kind of unsafely rejoin the track and scared a bunch of us and caused, the, caused another guy to panic and get into the wall and cause a big one. I don't really recall much about that race. Um, I don't think I ran very well. Oh, yeah, I remember there was a big one, right? And then, uh, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. Some guy rejoined, and then I think one of the admins, you know, hit the wall hard, and then a bunch of people were involved, and so I gained a bunch of spots. Yeah, Bobby was wrecked out. I'm looking at an older version of the notes. Somehow it, it got replaced. But um, Bobby was wrecked out. I was wrecked out. Greg hit the wall and parked it, and you had P14. So you started dead last, the big wreck, then several of us got disconnected. You lost like five laps, got disconnected again. And uh, Adam went with the alternate tire strategy, right? Uh, where it was basically a coin flip. Do I use the tires now or later? He used, he went for later and didn't get the caution he needed. Oh yeah, he got burned on that. Um, and I did what everyone else did. I took tires um, and, and used up our tires when, when everyone else bit it. And, that really burned him, but yeah, the disconnect, I remember now, I got disconnected a, a, a couple times, and it was others as well, so it wasn't just me. And I, it's like, you know, that it makes me so mad because TeamSpeak still stays connected and everything else stays connected and, and Discord, and, and so it's not like I lost my internet connection. You said it happened to several people though, right? Yeah, I wasn't the only one uh, that was dropping out. There was like four or five of us, I think. So that could that could either be on iRacing's side or could just be something in the backbone that caught a lot of people going down the same pipe. Okay, OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. The winner is Josh Robinson at Chicagoland. Tom Ogle second. Dwayne MacArthur third. Who? <laughs> and with that, we're on to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Well, um, so I guess I want to start off by apologizing to my friends at the OBRL. Um, Sunday morning, uh, I had the dilemma whether I was going to run the OBRL race or I was going to run the uh, NIS race. And I figured I missed OBRL last week because I had to work Sunday morning. But so I figured I'd just stick with the NIS. And that was a bad, bad decision with the kind of garbage I went through. So um, I don't know, man, just stuff like that. You just don't see in league races. Um, they don't they don't put up with the kind of crap that I had to deal with that uh, Sunday morning, and it was a real turnoff. I'll be honest with you, um, and I try not to take it personally, but uh, it just it just does does put a damper on my mood when when something like that happens, and you know makes me makes me think it's better for me to stick off stick with just leaks where where they just don't deal with something that kind of behavior, you know. Yeah, that's tough to deal with. Um... I'm surprised it's taken this long, though, Brian, for you to have to go through that scenario. I think all of us do at some point. Yeah, that's my true, but 
All right, David Hall, final thoughts. Well, we got Sebring coming up. Uh, Greg just ran a race, did pretty well. I'm going to probably do one here in just a little bit. Um, that's about all I got going on. I still think I'm kind of in the slump, even with the win. Um, though that was a really exciting win. I remember, uh, you know, especially if it's been a while for for the NIS side of things, I definitely had the heart rate heart rate pumping through that and it was it was very exciting so it's a slight monkey off the bat but still just a kind of a rough start to the season and um probably going to spend most of the rest of the year both in league and nis just not even looking at the standings because i'll just get depressed if i do i'm not looking at standings on purpose i know how bad i've been doing greg hectus i don't know if you hear us uh final thoughts you got me yeah yeah so uh yeah, I wasn't on the uh, podcast here tonight. I got some stuff that I was taking care of, but uh, got a got a league race coming up here in a couple minutes. Um, uh, just uh, looking forward to running some Coda this weekend and uh, doing a bunch of uh, racing at Sebring with uh, David and uh, the other guy that uh, we got at. What's his name, David? Stefan. Oh, Stefan. Yeah, that's right. Um, racing with him, so that'll be. Uh, fun thing to do here on the weekend and uh yeah get back at it all right very good tony grows final thoughts well i uh man did i ever feel great last week uh i haven't raced coda yet i will be most likely sunday now is going to be my my one and only start and i'm sure i'm going to be absolutely um humbled like the the rest of you I'm not expecting a whole lot. Survival. Um, maybe I just start from the pits and let everybody wreck themselves out, and hopefully I can get myself a decent finish that way. I'll just go real slow. Be super, super careful. Um, yeah. That, that's my strategy. We'll see how that plays out. You know what? Savor these wins, Tony. I mean, this is payback for all those those previous years where you went winless. I mean, now is your time. Yeah, well, that's that's just it. I, I I am savoring it. That's that's awesome. Like, winning's fun. <laughs> Losing sucks. But um, getting back to this type of car um, is 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 just great. Now I got a little bit of work to do coming up because we got some short tracks coming up, and I'm terrible at short tracks. So I'm going to be uh, spending a lot of extra time um, on the track trying to just. Being able to do something there. Um, my, my goal is to, to get out of these bottom splits. So uh, putting focus on just racing more to do that. But yeah, hopefully it'll be nice to get two wins. But you know what? I got one. I'll be happy with that. So if I can just rack that up with a bunch of, you know, top fives and top tens, um, that'll make for a really good season. Those are kind of my goals this year. All right. Well done. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, shout out to Tony Rochette, our teammate who had shoulder surgery today successfully. Um, so he's got his chicken wing fixed and uh, he said it went well. So hopefully he'll be back on track sooner rather than later. But I told him don't rush it. You know, uh, the, the track, the racing will be there when he's when he's all healed up and done. Uh, the other thing going on, man, I spent a lot of today looking at older video I've already watched of my new Cube Controls F-Pro wheel that, you know, I won't get for another, I don't know, maybe three weeks from now. Uh, 
but man, this this watching you know people use that wheel and what it looks like and and how it works and how to set it up and how the software works and I'm just you know I read the owner's manual, I've downloaded the software and the driver and. I'm excited, you know, and uh, that's part of sim racing is the equipment side of it. Building your rig, you know, putting that cherry on top, and that's what this wheel is. It's my my cherry on top. So excited and uh, ready to rock. So, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.